I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We're back. Tales from the dark side. It's been a little bit, week or so, since we got together telling stories. Had to think of some... uh, couple more of my uh weirdo friends to get in here and uh you know to fall under that it's not that I'm making fun of them but just all of us it seems like you know you think to yourself man that guy's kind of weird but you know when you think about yourself you're kind of that way too um what what we're doing here is we're just trying to to kind of bring some joy into your life some of the stories I've gone through some of the people I've fished with um, I fished with some great people, you know, and I know when I was coming up in the fishing, I would say I was in my 20s. We're probably talking in the mid-90s, late-90s, getting over here. I got settled um, in South Tampa, great fishery. So I started, you know, I wanted to fish. So I started, you know, going around to local bait stores, that kind of thing, and, and really what I preach at all my seminars is it's the people that you surround yourself with. I've never claimed to be a great fisherman, but I can tell you I have fished with some really good people. A lot of times people think, well, he's on the radio or he owns a store. Everybody he fishes with is big name. And, you know, it's kind of like Mike Anderson. You get Mike Anderson, you know, everybody think big time. You know, he's big, lazy is what he is. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? The big guy. We got Doug Westlake. Doug Westlake is a huge part of my fishing. Um, growing up in South Tampa, the part when I was in my 20s, learning, when I say growing up, what I mean is growing up in that fishery. Um, there wasn't a lot of help back then, but Doug Westlake was one of the guys that I started fishing with, and he's also helped me with the company, T.A. Mahoney, and and definitely one of the, the main players I got here. Um, an expert at everything he does. He's been through everything. Uh, resources are phenomenal. But back to Mike Anderson and big guys, now that I introduced you, have you ever noticed that the real big guys, like monsters like Mike Anderson, people that something's wrong, you know, they're not like the normal. You can see them in a crowd three foot over everybody. They're lazy. Mike Anderson, I'm asking him to, oh, well, I got to eat. I got to work out and take a nap. And it's always nap time. It's always food time. Yeah, he how, doesn't, doesn't want to seem to do things. Yeah, how can you put that into a day of fishing and really say you worked your butt off to catch fish that day? 
man, you can kind of hear the bass outside. Yeah. Somebody's got a good stereo <laughs> yeah, going, huh? I was thinking the same thing. Well, one of the things I talk about is the passion. And, and Doug, you definitely, over the time and, and the time I remember fishing with you, doing different things with you, you got the passion. You don't have to be home at a certain time. You're not asking, you know, what time are we coming in before you leave? You're there to help out. You know what to do. You can tie knots, bring your own gear, help out. It's a, you know, great advantage to have somebody like yourself on the boat. What I'm trying, the point I'm trying to get across is Doug and myself back in the 90s, guarantee in the fishing industry, nobody knew who we were. No. Nobody. No. We knew each other, but yeah. there was no love. And if anybody remembers, you got your Dave Mulder, I think about, and um, John, John Holmes. And, you know, there was just a group of a handful of people in South Tampa that caught Big Snook, and you were one of them. Yeah, I got lucky. So for me coming into the scene, I had to keep my eye on you. And it was, I mean, it wasn't like it is now. It was tough. It was big secrets. You, you had to learn. You yeah. had to follow people. Yeah, you. I mean, you took note. If Doug's old beat-up John boat was sitting on an oyster bar at a high tide, you knew to be over there. There, there was a reason, I promise you. Some, some of the, the things I think about back then, Doug, we would give names to. Yeah. And, I, and I've talked about this before. We would, it was kind of like a code for the people that fish that area where you could be, where, like I probably the first time I met you, I would assume I was in Gandy Bait and Tackle. Absolutely. Um, the old Gandy Bait, that was the place if you were a fisherman, you would show up there. I mean, the best of the best you'd see come through there. You got to admit, it was the old one too. Oh yeah, it yeah. wasn't the uh, the new fancy pants. No, now, it was the old know. shack. Yeah, and had, it was it was hard work, and I got some good stories about that. Were you there the night I lit the flares off? No, I was yeah, not. That was a good. I wasn't there very long either, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I lit some off. Yeah, I had to come back and fess up. No, we had it. the old snookhead tree there. That was one of the things I wanted to talk about. That, and what was the con you had to have a forty incher, didn't forty you? incher, yeah, yeah. And I'll tell you, I was uh, you that was for it, yeah. How many did you put up there? Quite two, two of I them. I put two on that tree. Yeah, I think I know. I had one nailed up on there, and I had a buddy of mine that he, I, you know, I took him to the spot. He caught it, and we nailed his up on that. Um, so you were, totally you were part of it, so you get a little piece of it. Oh yeah, you were proud when you you remember that feeling when you brought that snookhead oh. up to Gandy, and nobody would argue with you because the thing was so big. That was back in the good old days when you kill them. You could kill them and eat them. Yeah, and we would show them off. You know, seeing Doug, I started fishing with Doug is what happened. We were fishing against each other, watching each other. His boat broke down, or my boat broke down, and it just so happened we ended up on the same boat. I think it was your boat the first time we went. Yeah, had a little John boot. Yeah, and, and of course, let me tell you something. When we were going, I knew it then. We're not going to no A spots. We're probably going to be looking for Snook. He's not taking me where, where. And what was the threat? Why not take me to the honey hole? What well, was the deal back you then? You were the Snook butcher back then. The Snook butcher. Yes. What's that supposed to mean? Yeah, you would keep everything legal. Legal. Everything. Everything legal. legal. Well, everything I just legal. think people got mad. I, you know, because every day it was two a day. Yeah. You know, back then it was good. Yeah. And what were you scared of? I was going to keep all your fish. Keep all my fish. 
I are, still am to this day scared of it. I give them well, you know the what? wrong spots. I'm going to give you the floor right now. Tell them. Tell them if your assumption was right. You take me to an a-hole. Let's hear your side of this. I, I took them to an a-hole. So we go to this oyster bar. I had to beg him all day to get him to go there, and he finally gives in. We get what there. was some of the stuff? Why wouldn't I go? Oh, I'm not going to that spot. He says I want to go to these other spots. I know there's fish there, and I just kept begging him. I'd been on these fish for a week or so, so we finally get over to that spot. Now he didn't tell me that. I just found that out now. That was 26 <laughs> years ago. 28 years ago and all he would say is let's go try this spot well if he'd have said i've been on him a week let's go i'd have been in there two you, hours you, before. you never you never give away your a spot but i got tired of fishing and not catching anything so i kept on all begging. my spots i got tired of it so we get there and i've told this story so many times so i scoop a handful of baits up into the chummer throw it out there we throw our baits out i stick my rod in the rod holder I go to chum some more, and I look at my rod, and it's just bent over. I said, Mike, they're here. And I had told him that it's a five-minute spot. They're either there or not there. That's right. And they were there. So I'm reeling my fish in, and it ends up being a trout. I swear to this day, I, I know it was 36 inches. Biggest trout I've ever seen in my life. And I've caught eight, nine, maybe a 10-pounder there. And I said, Mike, get the net, please. Get the net. It's a huge trout. And he goes, no way, man. I got a big snook on. And I look up, and he's got a 30-incher just dancing over the oyster bar. Beautiful thing. I, I could already see butter in the pan. 30-inch. Now, you got a choice. I'm going to grab the net for a trout, or am I going to grab a net for a keeper snook with some thick fillets? And I'm begging him. Mike. I brought the snook in the boat. I got the meat in the boat. And then... I'm like, get that net over here, please, man. It's the biggest trout I've ever seen. He looked over the other side, and he goes, oh, my God, it's big. That trout does its classic little lip roll and swims off right off my hook. That's good you released it. They need <laughs> trout need to be released. That's exactly what I was thinking. But when I saw the trout, it's the biggest trout I've ever seen. I don't know how big he was, but he was as big, bigger than the snook we caught. We had keeper snook that day that we had trout in the boat keepers bigger than the keeper snook they were just monsters yeah it was uh, there's a picture floating around somewhere where we got them s stretched across the tail tailgate of my mazda yeah it was my mazda i think we filleted them on the tailgate we probably probably did. packaged them up and got back out there again didn't yeah, we? i wouldn't have hurt my dip. feeling as long as 12 o'clock hit we were good that was a good day i went over there but the the funny part about that story is yeah he it's pretty much exactly what he said. Except for the one part I left out. We went over there. What what was that? The nine keepers in a row, and I kept switching sides with you. Oh, yeah. We didn't keep them all, did we? No, but you kept catching them, and yeah. I didn't. He was, uh, he was by you fishing. I'd catch a snook, really, man, go back to put him in the, in the cooler, and uh, he'd be by you fishing, up by you. He's up where I caught that fish. I'm like, okay, well, I'll throw out here. So I'd throw out back, and he's still waiting. And boom, I got another one on. How many was it? Nine you of them? caught nine in a row. Took him to school on his own spot, of course. You know, it's, that's funny when people tell you that. Took yeah. you to, I beat you, and they're on your spot, your boat, your rod, your Proud, bait. Proudly admit it. 
Probably it was great, it. but the the best part of the story is it probably went on for another month. Oh, longer than that. Was it? Longer than that. Two months, maybe? I got off work at three, and you would pass me every day. Every day I'd pass him. Doug had a, I think it was an 88 special on the back of that big old John no, boat, that, wasn't it? No, you were, that was still my 14-footer oh, with the tiller hand, handle. tiller handle. I had a big 20-foot with a V6. So I'd either beat him there. He'd, and, pass, he'd yeah, pass me. I knew he was getting off at 3 o'clock every day, and I'd look at the tide and, man, I might as well go get bait. He'd either I'd see him in the bait hole or I'd see him at the place. And uh, that, it ain't never been the same. No. no. That was uh, the end of Neptune, if anybody knows where that is. Um, over by off West Shore, Neptune comes to the end. There's a little park there, and there was a oyster bar out front. But, you know, they dredged that. And ever since they dredged it, I've never caught anything. They did it in the winter. Yeah, and, and they killed a bunch of fish. Killed a bunch of fish up in a in a little pond that they had access to there. Yeah, it was. Uh, and it's never been the same. Yeah, I actually think Mike might have been sneaking over there getting them as the smoke I was, butcher. I wore them out. I'm telling you, it was uh, it was an exciting deal for me because I'd never. I was just getting into the snook fishing, and my you know the first snook I ever caught. Now you know we may talk about him later. Is uh, buddy of mine pork chop took me out. We got all these names for people. Pork chop was a pork chop. God, that's a long time ago. I remember yeah. fishing the intercoastal yeah. with him. Well, and even meeting you was back at the old store, which would have put it early nineties, ninety four, ninety two. The old Lexus rods. Yeah, Silstar. Yeah, excellent too. And that was, I think, Braid might have just been poking its head out back then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I was fishing with Jerry Williams quite a bit. One of the advantages here at the store, and I'm sure you've. You probably fish with some great people through the store. You just get that kind of opportunity, you know, with customers coming in and, you know, asking you to go. And Jerry Williams was one of them. I kind of, well, I'm not going to sell you that unless you take me fishing. <laughs> so that kind of worked. And I'm going to get Jerry on here. This is a little late to be recording for him. We do this after work. And uh, Jerry's already in bed by then. Of course, he's up at probably 3 in the morning. But walking around looking at snook in the lights that's what we got to look forward to as we get older that's right yeah that was uh a big part doug of uh that whole learning how to snook fish was a big ordeal i remember back then people didn't there wasn't a lot of people that caught snook no and and i know this what's so funny to me is when you look back at like redfish Back in the day when we're what we're talking about in the nineties, the late nineties, we're snook fishing. We're looking for that forty incher to go show off at the dock, because everybody does it. You catch a redfish, you wouldn't even tell people. No. Well they weren't <laughs> near as plentiful. Yeah. And it was like well, you still it's like okay. But know. it wasn't a prestige fish either. Right. That snook was uh well and you know what? It kind of shows you how the tournament circuits and all that can put the pressure on the fish. You know, think about the redfish uh, now. Yep. From then to now, what's changed is they put money out there for them. Yep. Well, yep. all of a sudden, you start putting money out there, people fish for them, all of a sudden, stickered up with redfish and redfish shirts and hats, and everybody wants a redfish. You can win 10, 20, 100 grand, you can win a boat. It'd be worth it. So it's worth It's like kingfish. You know, kingfish, the value of eating them is really not that good, but the money they bring, why wouldn't you get involved in it? That's true. You know, as far as a a fisherman goes. We got uh, 
we got a couple segments we're doing with you. There's quite a few things I want to kind of touch on. <laughs> I don't know if I want you to. <laughs> we'll go straight to, uh, I took him to Louisiana. How long ago was that? And how many times have you been? I've been four times, I believe. And uh, the first time was like my second year here. So that'd be like 18 years ago. Was your first trip My there. first trip. Yeah. And that one, uh, I remember that specifically. One of the things Doug was known for at Gandy Bait and Tackle, not only did he catch big snook, but he also was the mango man in Tampa Bay. He was Mr. Mango. Nobody catches mangoes. Doug would hammer them. I love and, them. And good ones. Love them. You put, uh, when you think about it, the time. Time and effort. And the time in those mangoes has Me, been. Henry Edwards. Yep. Jeremy Griffith. Uh, there's like five of us that would hammer the mangoes. Yeah. And it was just a blast. Would it be always during the day or would you do the nighttime? We'd do a lot of evening trips yeah. too. I remember I'd, I'd fish over in Blinds Pass for for big snook and on my way home of course i was trying to get home and get some sleep and doug's still in the boat sitting out there off gandy and i could spot him i'd honk at him just to let him know i saw where he was sitting <laughs> yeah yeah so if the next day he came into work with a bunch of fish hey i know where you were yeah yeah y'all got some good ones in the bay so i took him out to louisiana i remember the first trip we stopped off at the casino yep and we stayed the night there. Yep. Put the boat, uh, left the boat. We actually weren't at the casino. We were out by the interstate, but we all, that was back when casinos first started coming around the Gulf Coast. <clears> and everybody kind of said, yeah, let's stop off. Why not? It's almost all the way there. And we shoot over there and gamble, ate a steak or had their buffet or Seafood whatever. Seafood buffet. Was. Yep. That's when I realized big guys can eat. <laughs> the next morning. <laughs> Well, we'll first start with the hotel room. Okay, so we got this buddy Scott Knight with us, right? Same time. We yeah. got everybody's riding two in a vehicle. We're paired up. We're running three, I think two boats. And one vehicle. And one vehicle following each other the whole way. So we figure, well, we get the hotel room, two double beds. Everybody gets three rooms. You know, split your bed with the guy you're riding with. Three rooms. Well, he was riding with a guy that's a big guy and lazy. He's 6'9", 400 pounds, whatever he was, Scott Knight. He'll be watching, I'm sure, commenting. He gets a king-size bed. Says, ah, I'm going to be with y'all all week. I don't want nobody sleeping in my room. So it kind of puts Doug out on, you know, cheap price. I said, you know, you can sleep with us as long as you sleep on the floor. No problem. And I said, I even let you sleep in the bed, but it ain't that big. And, of course, he didn't argue that. Nobody, you know. No, I'm not going to snuggle or spoon with you. So we were out there. It was <laughs> that's funny. We were out there, and I, I told Doug, who I'm just letting you know, you're welcome to stay in the room, but high cool the whole time. It's as cold as it can get. I'm going to get my money's worth. You know, it's 100 degrees out. I want it to be cold <clears throat> when I'm sleeping. Doug had no problem with that, so. He got home from the... Donnie and I. It was Donnie. Yeah. Donnie and I left early. He left early. And I, I remember coming in. I came in shortly, at, probably an hour later. And uh, I heard the fan running. And I'm thinking, you know, the fan's running, but the AC ain't working. So I walk over there and look at the thermostat. Doug's got it turned all the way down. And 
I almost saw you shiver when I cranked it up and it just dull. You could hear that compressor kick on. Just kicked on. So I wake up in the middle of the night. He's trying to take my covers off of me. Oh, I was sneaking it too, boy. I was pulling, trying to get the extra sheet. And he would not. He chicken winged it. Chicken winged it. He grabbed that sheet, turned it. Oh, yeah. Slipped over on it. You ain't getting the sheet for me. So I end up. Now, let me tell you what I saw when he was trying to take. This is the truth. This is when I say weirdo friends. He looks normal, but this is what we had that night. He's laying there. He's got a pair of tidy whiteies on that are way too small. He's, he, I mean, elastic broke, legs tight as can be. It was, uh, it was a sight to see. With a dip cup. He's got a dip in his mouth that's probably half a can of dip in the spit cup in the center of his chest and he's snoring sleeping with a dip cup i almost wanted to tip it over so i looked down and he's i was sleeping at that time he was shaking though uh, the he tv had, was on i was watching the it. blanket he was using was the skirt that went around the bed it was hilarious <laughs> yes a good time we got over it. you know what well i'm thinking we take a break we talk some more fishing in a little while. We'll be right back, and I'm going to finish up with that story from Venice, Louisiana with Doug Westlake. We're back. T.A. Mahoney's Tales from the Dark Side. We have Doug Westlake with us today, one of my fishing buddies. Got a great passion to fish. He knows how to catch fish. We're right in the middle of the Louisiana story. So we're pulling out of Mississippi and we say, you know what? Let's get breakfast. That way we got food in our bellies, head down to Venice. What is it? About a three and a half hour drive. Three, three maybe four, maybe four. We had to stop and grab a few things. Um, we're heading down there. So we'll hit Denny's. It's right here. So we go into Denny's and this is my first experience with somebody who really likes a volume of food. If anybody's ever been to Denny's, the French Toast Grand Slam is about the biggest you can get. And my buddy here, Doug, the weirdo, two of them. That's what he tells the lady. I want two French Toast Grand Slams, and you can put them on the same plate. Well, I mean, we all know they ain't going to fit on the same plate, so he gets half the table for his breakfast. Everybody else has a normal size plate. <laughs> It's true. I was hungry. He was hungry. He's going to get ready, started for the day. We had Nextel back then. If anybody remembers those, like a little walkie-talkie. And he's in a truck behind me pulling a boat, and I'm pulling a boat. We get out of the Denny's parking lot. We get on the highway. I kind of give him a little beep. Hey, Doug, you want to stop and get a Snickers bar maybe before we get back to the, to the marina? A good time. We were poking and prodding the whole way. Everybody excited to be there. We get there, like I said, Doug was known in Tampa Bay as the, the snapper guy. He got on them, he got good ones, he knew how to catch them, artificial reefs, regular reefs, he knew where they were at. So we get up in Louisiana, we get out there fishing, we get everybody down, everybody's bottom fishing, you know, red snapper was big back, that's really what we wanted because we didn't really have that many of them here. We started to catch them back then, yep, yep. but not really, like they are there no no so, close 
I get everybody pulling in some red snapper, and I think we had a four or five per person back then, wasn't it? I think it was four yeah, at that time. It was four per person. We loaded the boat up with, you know, six people. Well, they start pulling them in. Well, the way you used to get the mangoes were pretty easy because they weren't educated there. We'd take some bait, chop them up. I'd do it when nobody's paying attention. Everybody's wanting to catch that bottom fish. I go up front where we're tied off to the rig. I throw in chunk bait, and they swarm. Looks like piranha coming Six, out of yeah. Six to ten pounders swarming. So I throw my tarpon rod out there. Bam, I get the first one. Flip him in the boat. Eight, ten pounds, whatever he is, just flopping like crazy. Green. If you ever had a green mango come in the boat, they are wide open. You better watch out. They got spikes coming off of them. Watch your toes because they're trying to eat you. Everybody wearing flip-flops get the shin poked. (laughs) <laughs> which has happened many a times with a mango. Yeah, I've thrown a few on the deck. <laughs> Doug, when he saw the mango, lost control of everything because Doug is the mango guy, and all of a sudden he's seeing one he probably ain't never caught before. Nothing I'm that imagine. big. Nothing that big. So off the, what were you, what would you go to grab? Oh, I grabbed my uh, musky stick that was a 30 what? to 50-pound bait caster. Yep, same thing you use here. Yep, yep. Catch grouper here. What real? You know, and an abu. 6,500. 6,500. Got a hold. How many pound test? <laughs> it was probably 50 pound braid. 50 pound braid. And what did I tell you? Put that thing up. It's nowhere close to even going to catch it. Now, he was on a tarpon rod, a pin 95 or 8,500 on yep. an eight foot. I it was a crowder. Broomstick. Broomstick spinning rod. Yep. And I was like, oh, don't worry, man. I got this. There's not, these things I'm using done. 80 pound braid lock drag. Lock drag. I'm putting meat in the box. And, and I told him, don't even worry. I got this thing. He's telling me, he's just saying, look, man, you're going to get taken to school. So here I go. I flip my bait out there. Instant. I set the hook, and it sounds like a shotgun went off. Spow! <laughs> I'm like, where's that rod, Mike? Tarpon rod. Yeah. We wore them out that day, didn't we? Yes, we did. Get Fun, funnest day of snapper fishing. He got mad at me, though, because he, he was wanting me to put the things in the box well i'd catch one unhook them i'd hug them unhook them and be baited and just throw them at his feet so he was doing the dance a lot oh yeah and, that's and, one thing on my boat I, if you're gonna bring the fish in let's put him on ice yeah. take it and it makes a difference you know it what does I mean? it does but i was just super amped up now i remember we were there i think it was that trip was it your first trip we saw yeah. the bluefin oh yeah 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 yeah, that thing was amazing. We were, we were fishing off a rig. That thing was unreal. We saw kingfish probably up to, what, 30 or 40 pounds? 30 or 40 pounds. pounds. They were I, showering. I mean, showering. Just jumping out of the water, and behind it, here comes this tuna. I mean, just chomping, chomping his jaws. Them. You could see his mouth going after kingfish. Now, it's almost like a creek chub on the edge of a creek when a snook shoots up there. That's what it looked like, but with big kingfish. That, that was pretty amazing. I trolled all day the next day trying to get that. I think it was a bluefin. I didn't see it good enough, but something it had well, to they, be. They caught a big bluefin that, that, yeah, that same, same year. Yeah, that same year, 1100 yeah. And, and change we were out there fishing for. I don't know if it was that year. Or the next few times you went, yeah, but it was I, close I know they to caught that. caught it. Yeah. I mean. Uh, rod and reel for, uh, I think it was a record for Louisiana, like or 1156 or, or 1146, a bluefin. And I really didn't even know bluefin were there. 
I didn't realize they spawned in the Gulf until BP. You yeah, know, I didn't when either. BP happened, that's when we found out that the bluefin were there and more and more people have seen them and caught them, it seems like. But before, in that 90s to 2000, I never saw that. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. When you went trolling that the next day, didn't you catch two jacks at once? Yeah, that was, uh, I think I remember we had two or three boats there and I told everybody, my boat, is trolling all day for that fish. Me and were you on the boat no, with me? No, you didn't want to. Troll. I didn't want to troll. I wanted those mangoes and the snapper. So the other boat was hitting the mangoes and snapper. Well, I said, I to me, it's worth it to go after that big fish. So I went out there. I know Henry was on the boat. Yeah, and I think one other person. We went out there and started trolling, and right off the bat, bam, a fifty wide just started dumping, and I thought we got him. You know, we got him. So I end up reeling the fish in, and somewhere I got this on video. A big trembler, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a big trembler with two monster hooks, and I think Braid makes it, and real heavy duty. And I had two 40-pound Jack Cravels on one plug. <laughs> and it, they kind of hit, and they ran hard, but then the whole fight, I think they fought themselves, which made a kind of a huge difference on me getting the fish in because it was more or less dead weight when I pulled yeah. them in, but both of them had spots in the side of their mouth. I, you know? I know you were probably pretty excited when that thing hit. Oh, yeah, until I saw them. <laughs> but when it hit, there's nothing like a big fish dumping a big reel. No, there's not. You know, there's a difference between pulling drag and dumping, and that, you know, that was dumping. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and it, it stopped was the problem. Usually when they start like that, they never stop. They're just wide open that, that yeah that was a great trip and some fun times for sure in uh in louisiana what have you been doing in the bay lately lots of mangoes lots of mangoes. are you still bay fishing or you do a little offshore now i do a little offshore but lately it's been all bay fishing and i'll tell you something more secret than he's ever been like he's got this buddy seltzer <laughs> and they'll show you like they come in with all these fillets and they'll show you pictures of the machine. And it's like, that had to be on simulator. There's no way y'all are fishing that kind of 40 foot of, you know, reliefs and, and where they go. And they'll, but the, the numbers aren't on the machine. No, we're smart enough not to big, show that. Big uh, secret squirrel spots and they, we, they we catch We told Mike we'd take them, but his phone's gotta stay. On shore. Yeah, blindfolded. They can't. They won't even let me know the heading. That's how scared they are. They're afraid I'm going to do the calculation and and getting the block yeah, there. And yeah. I only need a couple numbers. I don't need the whole series I of mean, numbers. That, that pipeline holds so many fish. Yeah. Much. And you know what? I want to tell you this one. I had a guy working for me. Great guy. Still comes around. Friend of Doug's. I he introduced me to him. Uh, Tim Harris. Good guy. Uh, does some odds and ends, but a great fisherman and when i say fisherman he's got the passion he's got the you know he'll stay out all night he'll work hard he'll help out he's part of the crew and that's kind of what you look for if i tell you somebody's a good fisherman or i want somebody on the boat with me there's somebody who participates they don't just fish and and that's it that's not really a good partner but tim's a good guy well yeah he he's never caught a big snook and this was probably 10 years ago yeah maybe 12 maybe 12 yeah 10 or 12 maybe. years ago tim came in here and he was so proud doug had finally put him on 
a 40 inch snook. Oh yeah, that took years. Yeah, you know, and had them to the boat many times, and other people catch them. We all know the deal. When you want it the most, you get humbled by nature. It happens. I've done it with deer. I've done it with fish. It's just a, a tough one to catch. Well, Tim a, got him one. Ate a peanut at the Walla Walla. No, he didn't. Yeah, that was one of them. Yeah, well, no, the one I'm talking about is the one where you just got all crazy and whining and crying. <laughs> so, and, and anybody knows a fisherman that's trying to be secret squirrel, if somebody finds out what they're trying to keep secret, boy, they throw tantrums. They think it's their spot, and that's, the that's it. That's river fish. That's exactly right. <laughs> so he comes in, and he showed me this picture, and me... As a fisherman that really, I want to congratulate him on catching that big fish. But more importantly, I want a chance at getting to know where that spot is. It's not so much the fact you caught the fish. Tell me the spot so I can go and catch the fish. Because I know Doug's not going to tell me. So I figure out how I'm going to get this. So I say, hey, Tim, let me see that fish again. So it brings up the whole good feeling about Tim catching this, and he's showing me, and he's proud as can be. And I'm like, yeah, man, that thing's big. That's kind of thicker than most. And I'm really laying it on, and he's loving it. And then I dropped the bomb. Where were y'all at? Oh, we were at Banana Boat. Well, if anybody knows the Gandy area, Banana Boat on the other side of Gandy, little restaurant or something over there, old decrepit docks. And you go over there in the winter time, and they stack. What do they call that bayou back there? Uh, they call it Pirate's something. Cove. Pirates Cove. Pirates they, Cove. All back in there, and dirt, lots, tons of oyster bars, tons of old structure, kind of like you get downtown. Good fishing. So he tells me banana boat. So I'm thinking, ding, 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 ding. I'm going to banana boat in the next couple of days. So I pat him on the back, and I tell him, "Great fish, Tim." So. I go, man, how can I get Doug on this? So my buddy Casey, he's been on one of these already. He's another weirdo, Casey King. I, I tell Doug, I said, hey, me and Casey are going fishing tonight. You want to go? He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to go. But you know what, Mike? I'm going to tell you where the fish are. I go, where are they at? Hillsborough River is loaded. Now, if you know how far across Gandy in the Hillsborough River by downtown, how far that is from each other. We got I'm thinking, lots of distance. He's saying, Mike, it was Jason Leinberger. He brought him <laughs> into it. Jason told me they're in the river. I'm telling you, I went over there and caught, I go, aren't they the little ones? You know, they're not, that's, that's not what I want. I want the big ones. He's like, I'm telling you, they're there where the smoke, there's fire. You know that. And I said, ah, Casey's been catching them. And he said, yeah, where y'all going? I said, yeah, he's going I, somewhere across St. Pete called Banana Boat. Never in my life have I seen Doug, old shuffles, wears the bottom of his shoes out before the tops, jump, vertical jump. He could have gone out for a basketball team. It was a nine-foot vertical jump straight up and down, doing the stabbing motion. God dang it. And do you remember what you said? No, don't go over there. Give me one week. Mike, give me one week before you go. But remember, his name is the Snook Butcher. 
Yeah. I word that that's something Dave Marquette come up <laughs> yeah. with. I have killed a few. Yeah. You know, somebody told me one time they said, "Ah, the big ones don't taste that good anyway." And I said, "Yeah, I'd say the same thing if I couldn't catch them." That's exactly <laughs> the way I feel because if you you've never stuffed them with stone crab meat, it over forty inches. It's the best fish oh, you ever had. It's nice. Yeah, we had uh, we opened up here. Doug was here for the cookout. The, the grand opening and the cookout. We served, I think, a hundred pounds of snook. I don't know. You had a bunch of people that? collect them for you. Yeah, I had yeah. a bunch of people collect them. I even advertised it and got the fish cops here. That was a special deal. Did you really? I didn't yeah. know that part of it. Doug's, we, you know, speaking of fish cops, you got some fish cop stories, don't you? Yeah, but let's not get into that. You don't want to talk about <laughs> no. that? How about dog park? No, let's not get into no the dog, dog part. part. We can't talk about none of that. Uh, no, Doug no. rescues dogs, okay? Doug is a great guy, big heart. So this is a true story. We got a dog one day. We're fixing to shut the gates. And anybody that's been around here and knows me and all that knows that we got some, you know, aggressive dogs, and they kind of protect everything around here. Well... We got a dog in our parking lot. You remember that? Sadie. Yes, Sadie. I do. Beautiful a dog, gray dog in our parking lot under a tree. And it was really the saddest thing, I'll be honest with you. Raining. She Remember it was raining too. Raining under a tree in my parking lot. Full of concrete. She's underneath the tree. She's not leaving. She wants to be here. Rope around her neck. Burned into her neck. Yep. There was a nylon rope that she had been tied up with that was embedded in her neck. Yeah. It was terrible. Tail falling off. Had a wound on her tail. And when Doug took her to the vet, we immediately loaded her, took her to the vet. Her tail fell off. That's how bad maggots. It was terrible. It was horrible. Stunt. This dog, whoever owned it, we all believe should have been shot or at least treated the same way terrible so once she was in this condition we knew she's here for us there's a reason why she's here right now so doug took her to the vet they picked the rope out they gave her all the antibiotics we took care of her got her back healthy how long was it she had puppies i guess i had her about three months three so, months two months and he was nursing her back Boom. Maybe it wasn't that long. Two I mean, puppies. I don't know how long the gestation is, but it seemed like it was a long time. Yeah, it was I mean, probably a month or two. Yeah, I, I mean, I really don't know, but lo and behold, I got puppies now, which yeah. I wasn't expecting. So the dog lover became the dog lover. Yeah, and, uh, I already so had dogs in the house at the time. We already. brought her back here, didn't we? Yeah, she was one of the better dogs. Yeah, and he kept two. One of them was three-legged, was born with three legs, and... Doug took care of that dog. And Tripper. Tripper. Great dog. I mean, the dog got along. It ran. It did everything any other dog could do and love life and got along with everybody a nice dog. And, you know, Doug living in South Tampa. Yeah, I'd go to the dog park. Exercise dog park. Tells dog park story. <laughs> I think they'll love I've never known somebody to go to court at dog park. This is going to be a good one. So my three-legged dog. I'd take three dogs down there, and I'm going to do a condensed version. I'd take three dogs down there at a time. So I go to the dog park, 
and I'm sitting there and I see a dog I haven't seen before, it's a chow. So I yell to one of the people who I knew in there and I asked, hey, is that dog all right? And they yell back at me, yeah, so far, so good. So I put two of my dogs that I know are gonna be good with everything right in. I go get the third one and I put him in a small side. Here comes the chow. They bow up on each other at the gate. I'm like, okay, no big deal. Let them get to know each other. Chow walks away. I bring my dog around. Chow comes running back. 10 feet away, there's an oak tree. My dog goes in there. And you know when dogs fight, they give a little jump. And I see that jump and I go, oh God, here it's on. Well, they lock up on each other. So I go running in, I grab my dog, I throw him over the fence, separating. Well, I'd left the gates open. So my dog comes back around. Gets him some more. Gets him some more. The child goes out to meet him. So I break him up again. Throw him in there and slam the gate shut. Well, by this time, the owner of the child comes running up. And about 60 other dogs seem to have come up because there's big commotion. And this girl just starts yelling at me and yelling at me. And, of course, I'm like, chill out. Your dog's not hurt or anything. There happened to be a vet tech named Heidi there who I'd known for years, and she's checking the chow out. There's no blood or anything. My dog doesn't have blood. They just kind of, it's a meet and Making greet. Making a bunch of noise. Yeah, it was a meet and greet. So they, they had a good time. Well, lo and behold, the lady called animal services on me, and my dogs on a Sunday afternoon, I get a knock on the door at my house, and I get written up for aggressive dog on all three of my dogs. Dog cops, right? I yeah. didn't know they had dog cops. Yeah. Dog cops came to his house. I knew they had fish cops and deer cops, but now we got dog cops. So then I'm like, well, if she's going to write me a ticket, I want her dog cited as aggressive. Well, they finally cite her also, and we end up going to court. And I'm not going to say, but let's just say it was a good ending for me. Yeah, for the, sure. The, the, the judge found that. He was a great judge. I'd say his name, but I'm going to leave it. Blank. Sure, say his name. He let you off the hook. Yeah, Nick Nazaritan. Scolded her. Judge Nick Nazaritan, great guy. I was very but happy. It was great because Doug's defending this whole thing with a three-legged dog. So this three-legged dog's really going to jump on this chow. I think it might have been the other way around. Yeah, that's that was my whole thing. That was a big deal. That I was mean, a big deal here at Mahoney's. We heard all about it before, during, and after. I still I can have tell the you file. That. I'm going to tell you that. I still have the dog court file. That's going to be in my possession for a long time. That's Even though good... all those dogs are died by now. Yeah. yeah you, you better hold on to it. Yeah. I hold on to them here. Uh, <laughs> definitely some good times and funny stuff that has gone on, Doug. Oh, yeah. You've been hunting with me before, hadn't you? Yeah. A little bit yeah. of gator hunting, but we didn't do too well. We were over there and... No, it, it cost me money to go gator hunting with you. Oh, that's right. Fish cops got it. Let's hear that. That's a good one, too. So I got a 20-foot sea arc with about a, I don't know, 12 or 14-foot front deck on I it. I think what we had, just to make this story, because, boy, when he gets up there, it's hard for him to land the plane. We go we go on forever. But who would we have with us? We had Rick Taren. and Taryn Silkworth. That's who was on your boat. Yep. And y'all were hunting gators, and then I was hunting gators on my boat with Bobby, Bobby Wilds, Boys and Girls Club of Tampa, and a couple other people. Yeah, I don't I can't know who they were. Who they were, but Bobby, Bobby was the one I remember because he didn't want to go back after that. No, no, he didn't want to go around <laughs> again. Yeah, that was, uh, you hunt them at night. It's uh, 
kind of spooky. Your boat at the time was a 20-foot sea arc, yep. and it had a... It had at 12 least a 12-foot 12 foot 12 foot deck, deck that I had built. That's right. With a step. And Taryn, I'm still mad about this ticket. So Taryn, we got two ropes tied to the cleats, like in a loop, basically, so you could hang on to it. And she had her spotlight up, so you could see the eyes, of course. And, man, we get pulled over because she's standing on the step. And the guy goes, well, well I'm going to have to write you a ticket, Captain, for bow riding. And I'm like, bow riding? Yeah, she was, how far, had to be 12 foot from back. the front of the boat, but it was the bow deck, I guess. The deck was 12 foot long. And, and I mean, I don't want to get smart and lippy with them because I'm not in town and, you know, nobody. You don't, you don't yeah, win that one. You don't win. Uh, so I'm like, okay. Well, I mean, it was an expensive ticket. 200 it, bucks or something. Yeah, for about, like, and yeah, then they came over to me. No, yeah, they didn't get the they same. They didn't get you. They didn't get the same cooperation either. No. I'm over there looking for an alligator. I got my lights off, right? Oh, a million candle spotlight, <laughs> wide open, and I got no bow and no stern light on. But it's not like he can't see me. So he pulled up and was like, "Hey, you need to turn your lights on." I said, "You can't see the spotlight. That's my anchor light. Nope, can't use that." Didn't you shine it on him or something? Oh yeah, I sh yeah. I help him out all the time. I give my, you know, because that's what they kind of do. Yeah. One time I was with Rick Silkworth, and he had his headlight on, and he kind of turned away from the guy. And the guy's like, hey, look at me when I'm talking to you. And he looked back, hey, get that light off of me. So he turned, hey, look at me when I'm talking to you. It was like Abbott and Costello. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> I think that night Taryn got a bat flew in her hair oh, or something, wasn't it? Yes, she did. She freaked out. I yeah. heard it from across the lake. I was on another boat, and she I was riding she... up there, and, if you've ever alligator hunted, bats kind of dive at you. They normally yeah, don't it, hit you. It, it, yeah, we were running, I believe. Yeah, quite a decent stuck in her hair. Stuck in her hair for a little bit. She was all screaming, and you know, I mean, I guess running I'm back to him. He's pushing her back to the front of the boat. Don't bring it back here. <laughs> don't get me involved yeah, in that. I don't want to get involved. Oh, that was funny. That was a good. One. Well, Doug, it's been some good times, man, that I've spent with you, and uh, you're definitely a big part of T.A. Mahoney. What I'm trying to do with Doug and some of the other people on here is kind of introduce them to some of our customers, get to know him. He walks around here kind of mean mouth sometimes, grouper mug, you I'm know. I'm a scowly but, guy. Hey, you can tell him you know where Mahoney's snook hole is. He'll lighten up. Or just bring a girl with you. He'll be all, he'll be instant. Hey, can I help you? What you need? Doug Single for all you women out there. <laughs> Stage name Doug West. Yep, yep. Reverse stripper. Pay yep. me to put my clothes on. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Thanks for staying tonight and uh, appreciate all the help you've given me. We've had some good times and you've kind of helped create this monster and I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, Mike. Thank right, you. Have a good night. Yep. Good job. That was 25 minutes, 25 and a half minutes. Oh, wow. That went longer. Yes, that was one of our longest ones. Yeah. The first one was 21, and that one was 20. I think we did a 22 one time. Yeah. But you know uh, what? I'm writing stuff down.